Welcome to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri, and this week I focus on a rapper, a hip-hop artist named Aesop Rock. And Aesop Rock is one of my favorites. He's been kind of an inspiration to me for a while. I've listened to him a lot this summer, and I like his style. He's not easy to understand at first, but I think you can respect his poetic form. And what this interview that I'm going to be analyzing goes into is really, or what I'm attempting to do is really talk about Aesop Rock as an artist and connect that to the act of creativity, the act of just creating things. And it doesn't have to just be like lyrics like he does through through rap. It could be anything. And so I kind of cherry picked some questions from the interview and I really focused on them and I tried to connect them to my life and maybe you can connect them to yours. I think some, you know, interesting ideas like how should you, you know, what should you be worried about when you're creating, you know, and, and I think that's an interesting question that we all have to sort of think about. Um, that's one of the questions. And just the idea of how does pop culture affect what we consume? And is it kind of dumbing us down in certain ways? Is it making a, a, our culture a more simplified culture? And Aesop Rock, he answers one of his the questions by engaging with that concept. So that was what one of my big takeaways. I really enjoyed kind of analyzing that idea especially, you know, is pop culture making us consume products in a different way? I never thought about that that much, honestly. And so I appreciate him for bringing that up and I appreciate his music. So if, uh, if you like Aesop Rock, you might enjoy this podcast and um, you definitely enjoy his music. The, the Impossible Kid is one of my favorite albums. Came out in 2016 and that kind of is what I focused on during this summer. I like to listen to it uh, as, as an inspiration, as motivation, and I think you might too. So thanks for listening to the Class X Podcast. I'll see you after the music. Welcome to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri, and today I'm going to take a look at Aesop Rock. So a little bit different from my usual analysis, I'm going to look at a, a rapper, a hip-hop artist, and the interview is titled Graffiti or Vermeer from the Guernica Magazine. It's actually from 2007, and I know it's a long time ago, but I, I wanted to do something on Aesop Rock because I really enjoy his music and his lyrics. And I think he's just an, a creative artist. And I found this interview and it's a really, really fascinating in interview. So I'm going to go through it. And really, it's not going to just be about Aesop. It's going to be about creating things and art and what it means and what his motivations are. So it's kind of like analyzing creativity through this artist who in my opinion is one of the most creative. So I'm gonna just jump in and kind of introduce you to Aesop Rock if you don't know who he is. So he's a unique rapper, unique artist. And one question that often comes up with Aesop Rock because his lyrics are so complex is, is he a lyrical genius or is he just kind of 
spitting out jumbled words that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. And I think that's it's interesting because when you jump into Aesop Rock, I've had friends, family members listen to him and they're like, oh, I don't like this. But if you read his lyrics, it makes a lot of sense. And it's like it's poetry, basically, but in the form of rap. And I, I think it's fascinating that when you reach a level where the, the lyrics are very complex, how a lot of people just kind of take a step back and say, I don't want to listen to this. And so the interview does look at that and it looks at the idea of art, hip hop as an art form and Aesop Rock as an artist. So for me, Aesop Rock, he's done one big thing that I really admire as, as an individual who is creating a podcast. And that's, he, he's charted his own path. He, he's not a corporate influenced guy. He is very independent. And we, in my opinion, that's really, really cool. We say that a lot about, about people, you know, oh, he charted his own path or she charted her own path, but he really did it. So this interview does look at how he did so. And what's interesting is the interview started, starts out with Aesop in college and Aesop Rock actually went to Boston University, which is kind of interesting. I didn't really know he had much of a college background. You don't really think about that when you think about hip hop um, stars, but he had his college background like like a lot of people and that influenced him and his, his background was in the arts. He studied classical art and he also at the same time practiced graffiti and rap music. So that's kind of cool, right? Because you have this guy who's mixing the classical artistic world with the more modern and street artistic world. And I think that's what makes him kind of unique to someone like me, because you could sense that mix when you listen to him. So I think this makes him distinct and you don't really see this a lot. It reminded me actually of a rapper named Talib Kweli. Kweli is also another kind of intellectual, in my opinion, hip hop artist. And he also has an academic, a strong academic background. So I think it's what we don't often analyze perspective. We don't analyze, you know, you know, why did this individual gain this sort of perspective that they have? But when you when you do that, you you learn a lot about the individual. So with Aesop Rock, the art background, it, it makes a lot of sense and it's there and it's strong. The interview also gets into his approach with craft with his craft. And I, I love this idea of craft and how do you approach your craft? And Aesop says that he, you know, there's a few relevant quotes that I took out from this, from this um, interview. And one is a quote where he says, I think, and I just want you to think about this before I read it. Like, you know, how do you approach your own job? How do you approach, if you, if you create things, how do you approach what you create? And he says, I think the best way to be part of a scene or a movement is to keep your mouth shut and keep your head in the dirt. So he's just like, focus on the work. He also says, just make something. Maybe somebody will like it. If they don't, it doesn't mean it's not what it is. And so I thought from both of those, you know, it's kind of inspirational to see this very successful um, artist and how he's just like, you know what? I just make stuff and I put it out there. And if they, if they listen, they listen. If they don't, they don't. And I think that that was kind of a inspirational and interesting perspective from him. And I can identify with it because there's something validating to hear 
um, from someone like Aesop Rock. I try to, I do, I think when I'm at my best, I try to apply that approach. And I wonder what, what you do when you create whatever you create. But it, I think it is nice when you apply that approach and you just focus on your work, you will end up with the right audience for that work. Honestly, I found that the most joy that I've received from like doing this podcast, for example, is just from the creative process, not even from like the analytics. That stuff doesn't even, it doesn't even interest me in terms of like, it doesn't give you any pleasure. So it's kind of an interesting um, thing that he's getting into. And this is back before there were analytics. And I don't really think musicians even like look at analytics probably, but it is an interesting kind of discussion, you know, where do you get the joy when you're creating? Do you get it from sales or do you get it from just the act of creating? And I think most artists would say the act of creating. Another idea from the article that I found interesting, Aesop doesn't like when people's personal agendas, you know, get in to their art. And he associates, because he associates art with this idea of thinking outside the box. And again, you know, focusing on what's being created, just and to him, that's what an artist does. So when Aesop Rock is creating, he's doing it from home, actually. He's, uh, and this is a quote from him, I'm still doing it from my living room. So the process hasn't changed that much for me. So for him, focusing on the job, focusing on creating, and just keeping it simple, focusing from his home, you know? And there's actually this part of the interview where he, I guess he was, I don't know if he was interviewed or shown in the New York Times and they kind of compared different um, performers and how they record. And there is a picture of Moby, which I don't know if you remember him, but he was a famous art a musician and he's in this like really fancy studio. And then Aesop Rock said he's just like in his home studio with these this shabby equipment. And he, he basically was like, he thought it was cool. He actually, you know, he liked that, which in a sense is kind of part of that independent hip hop scene or any kind of independent music scene usually is this idea like, hey, this guy does it from home. He's just doing his own thing. In some ways, you've seen that in the podcast world, right? You have, you know, a guy like me maybe who's doing it from home. And then you hear like this really well-produced podcast that almost sounds like you're 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 watching like a a, a NBC show or something. And that's been sort of, that's entered the podcast world too. Both are great. You know, everything is cool, but it just depends on what you're looking for. And I think when people want that sort of independent voice, usually you have to seek something beyond what's um, being pushed by a, like a big company. Um, another idea here from the interview, which again, goes into this idea of art and creating is that his his main goal is really autonomy he really wants autonomy he was offered different positions in different labels on different labels and he he basically chose autonomy over all of that and this this made me connect this idea to malcolm gladwell i don't know if you've ever, ever listened to or read malcolm gladwell's work but he writes about this in his book outliers where the ideal job for an individual has three things, autonomy, complexity, and a connection between effort and reward. And I could see that as I was reading the interview with Aesop Rock was he was really emphasizing the autonomy part. So I think that, you know, for him, if he has that autonomy, he's going to 
find success because the pleasure is there. And I think that that's a really cool and admirable approach. I've had that in my own career uh, when I with teaching. I th- and it's interesting because in Gladwell's book, he says teaching is sort of one of the ideal jobs for this because you typically get a lot of autonomy. You get a lot of a connection between reward and effort because students will give you that feedback. And it's a complex job because of the content and the profession itself. And I've also also noticed that, like, you know, when I was when I first started teaching, I was at a few schools. Thankfully, this wasn't the school I ended up at, but where they would like make lessons for the teacher. And our job was just to execute the lesson. And I recall thinking, like, what's what's going on here? Like, why would I want to do this? I'm not making anything. I'm not I'm just sort of reading a script and it didn't feel like teaching to me. So. In a sense, I can understand that idea of, you know, having that autonomy is so important. And if you're at a job where you have it, you know, good for you. That's good. Something to hold on to. So I definitely, like I said, I see those that those ideas in Aesop's perspective. And I think if you listen to his lyrics and his music, he really hammers those ideas home a lot. So it's important to sort of feel ownership over, over what you're doing. One of my favorite parts of the interview, and the interview jumps around in different things, so I kind of like highlighted a few of the things that really I connected with and what I think sort of reflects Aesop Rock. And this definitely reflects him. And it was one of my favorite parts. He It's at the very end of the interview and Aesop is asked about his lyrics. And this is what you get when you listen to Aesop Rock. You're like, what is he saying? You know, and the, the questioner asks him, is it nonsense or are these good, these like legitimate lyrics? And I love his answer because he doesn't just give a simple answer. He actually connects it to our culture. And it really made me think about this in a pretty deep way. And I, I want to—I wonder if you'll think about it too. Because he basically says that we're so accustomed to pop music. We're, we're really in a pop culture. And so if you think about pop culture, it's trying to appeal to the masses. It's trying to appeal to everybody. And what's the easiest way to appeal to everybody, it's basically by making the lyrics simple, making it catchy. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, a sing-along kind of thing, right? And we all like that. Everyone likes a little bit of a catchy sing-along song. But when you're entering, you know, the the world of the, the creative world and the artistic world, that's not necessarily the most artistic or creative. I You know, those the, the most creative ideas don't come out of that. And so he basically, he starts off with that. He says, look, we live in a pop culture world. And so that's what people are accustomed to. So if you make anything that's a little bit deeper, it becomes less accessible. And I thought that was a really interesting point. And I think it's really true. I remember teaching, you know, there's the the famous Lincoln-Douglas debates. This is when Lincoln was running for senator. And... They say that if you read, like the average person would just stand and listen to Lincoln and Douglas debating in the 1850s over various issues, you know, states' rights or slavery, whatever the issue was at the time. But they say that if you look at the the actual vocabulary, it's so much deeper, stronger, more complex than the vocabulary that we speak today the English that we speak today. So it, it does kind of, I, I don't know, I made that connection when he was talking about pop culture because 
we there is an I know there is a historical argument that we tend to um, lose our vocabulary over time, especially in in American culture, and it might be because of uh, our consumer culture. That's just an idea, you know, and it's an interesting one. So now one thing about Aesop Rock, he does see his audience as an intellectual audience. So he understands that that's what who's going to be interested in his music, though it doesn't have to be that way. I prefer to think about Aesop Rock's lyrics and his music as poetry. You know, you don't read a poem or listen to a poem and immediately understand what you're reading or listening to. You have to reflect on it. And I don't think we're accustomed to doing that anymore in 2021. And we probably haven't been for a very long time. So he's basically saying like, I'm I'm basically saying like, this is poetry. And I, I think that, you know, in our very literal culture, that's very straightforward. Sometimes we hear that and we think, well, that's a jumble of words. And it's not, it's just poetry. So I don't think though that we have never had that. I mean, if you read Shakespeare, if you read, I don't know, if you read the Lost Generation writers, you see a lot of great writing that's not, you know, just literal. So I think it's in our culture. It's just something that's been lost a little bit. And I think it's something to think about, you know, this idea of pop culture taking over so much where we, uh, don't feel comfortable with anything that's complex. So Aesop Rock finishes the interview by saying he sees himself, and I love this quote, as the old man who eats beans out of a can and tells folk tales around a fire to the wide-eyed youth, tall tale style. And I just like the quote because it's very much him, you know. He's sort of like thinking of himself in a more simple way, but he's like telling these tales and Really, one of the things that I kind of got out of this, which I think is why I connect with Aesop Rock, is his philosophy really reminded me of my teaching style. One of the things he says is that he likes to write lyrics to his younger self. And I've always identified with that like idea through teaching. Like I always feel like when I see someone in the classroom, I think of my younger self and what was I engaged in? What was I interested in? What topic would... I find fascinating. And I think that kind of connection that he has to his younger self, I think that's why it's so he's so successful and people connect with him. And he's one of those artists that has like a strong fan base. Like he may not have the biggest one, but when people love him, they love him. There's no in between. So in my opinion, if you want to engage with a distinct underground musician, Aesop Rock is a good one. He is a really, really great option. I enjoy his style. I feel like it's an authentic experience because he's a real, really authentic artist. And uh, he's not influenced by corporate America, the expectations of our pop culture, which, when, I mean, think about it. Like, who creates the expectations for what we should be consuming in our culture, right? So he, he is not influenced by those things. So you could, one thing that I think you should check out, especially if you're into the hip hop scene, Lupe Fiasco, who's one of my favorite rappers, he has this 45, 47 minute analysis of Aesop Rock. And it's so good. And he he basically, he, he compares him to the artist Jackson Pollock and sort of this abstract style of rap. And 
he just explains from the rapper's perspective, and Lupe Fiasco is very respected. He he basically explains why he's such a great lyricist from the perspective of someone who is in the same craft, the same field. And I thought it's a really cool listen. I listened to it a few weeks ago. I just stumbled on it, and I was thinking like, well, did I stumble on it, or did uh, the algorithms find me? I don't know. But basically, I found it and on YouTube, and it was a really, really fascinating listen because he explains it in a, such a nice way, and it made me appreciate, even though I was already a fan of Aesop Rock, it made me appreciate his work way more because I could see how his colleagues appreciate his work. So you should check that out. Also, the Impossible Kid album is a great one. It's one of my favorites. And I think it's one of his more critically acclaimed albums. It came out in 2016, and it's very personal. And so I think you get a lot of the best of Aesop Rock by listening to that album. Um, there's, a, there's a good song on there I was just thinking about as I was doing this podcast called Dorks. And Dorks is basically like, it's about his... Um, you know, the artists and critics and how people are, you know, kind of commenting on what people create. And it's just really good because I think I think that that song kind of represents this interview in a lot of ways. So it shows that even though this interview is in 2007, he has continued with a lot of those beliefs. And so I hope I hope you enjoy it. I hope this uh, if you can take a listen to Aesop Rock. And um, I appreciate you listening to the podcast. So I'll see you all next week on the Class X podcast.